1: through Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or one of any of those, you can subscribe to the podcast and then it gets just brought right to your listening device. It saves you time and trouble and it's right there. Also, if you feel so inclined in Apple Podcasts, if you would leave me a review, an honest review, I would love that. That would just make my day. So on the podcast this week, we have Daniela Paolone, who is a trauma-informed marriage and family therapist, a guest speaker, and a writer focused on supporting clients who are experiencing anxiety, depression, burnout, chronic pain, illness, and medical trauma. She is licensed in California and Wyoming and offers telehealth To residents in these regions. Daniela also provides in person counseling in her Westlake Village, California office. Daniela and I are going to be talking about chronic illness induced post traumatic stress disorder, which is a relatively new um, diagnosis or relatively new researched um, topic. So it's complex, it's difficult, it's disturbing that women out there might be getting post-traumatic stress disorder because of their chronic illness, but it might be happening. And it could be that it's you that's struggling. So this podcast is for you, and I hope that you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Daniela. Thank you so much for coming back on the Woman Warriors podcast.
0: Thank you so much, Biz, for having me on.
1: I know. I'm, I'm excited that we get to have another conversation. And um, I'm just so grateful that you're willing to talk about chronic illness and the impact it can have. But before we get started, if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about yourself, the work that you do, and what has inspired you to do that work.
0: Okay. Yeah, you bet. Um, so, uh, I'm Daniella Paloni. I'm a marriage and family therapist in California and in Wyoming, and I provide counseling online, uh, throughout the States of California and Wyoming. And I also have an office in California. So I get to see clients in person and also virtually. And it's great because I get to work with people with a variety of different um, things that are kind of showing up for them. So that could be anxiety, depression, chronic pain and illness um, and also support for caregivers because they often aren't getting that, that additional support. Um, And so I might also do some education presentations on these topics um, and also incorporate mind body interventions Mm -hmm. in the work that I do and in the presentations I give in the community um, and also to universities sometimes or conferences where they ask me to kind of present on some of these things. Yeah. So that's me in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, what, why did
1: you decide to focus, you know, not primarily, but some of the, you know, uh, some of the clients you do see, have chronic illnesses, and I know that you present on this because this is kind of what prompted our conversation. Because I saw that you had been quoted in an article or something, I think.
0: Yeah, so um, I've had my own health uh, experiences and challenges for the past 10 years, 11 years, um, and that also includes chronic pain, and so. It was funny because the illness symptoms I was having were at their worst when I was in graduate school trying to get my master's in counseling psychology. And um, it really put a wrench in my timeline and my plans as far as how quickly I would get through the program. It took me an extra year um, and things like that. and it just and during that process, when you're in grad school, the requirement is that you yourself, as the student, need to go find and see a therapist and, you know, see them for so many hours um, before you graduate. And I was like, okay, great. I have, I'm more than happy to do that. But I couldn't find a therapist who I felt really was um, expert in chronic illness and chronic pain. Wow. And it was really frustrating because at the end of the day, I had to just kind of go with, you know, a therapist that was great, but not a therapist that I really felt understood my experience Mm. or some personal, either firsthand um, experience with their own health or that of a loved one. It was, it was just not the kind of therapy that I really wanted. So I think that definitely paved the, the path for me to once licensed, really focus in on chronic pain and illness Mm. and, you know, incorporate the things that I found to be incredibly helpful for me in the work that I do with my, my clients to give them things to, to work towards, to help them, you know, have a better day-to-day living experience. So their quality of life gets better because, you know, not everyone gets, gets better or gets cured when it's a chronic condition. So, um, so that's another, another facet to this too. So it's just, it's a personal story and in the process of going through it myself, I met so many friends in this community of chronic pain and illness that it just kind of snowballed and just made it more clear and easy to move into this direction um, in my practice. Yeah. Well, so I'm thinking
1: that maybe the audience might not know exactly like what is a chronic illness? One examples, but like, what does it mean to have a chronic illness?
0: So if you were to do a, you know, a Google search or, you know, uh, look into some medical literature, you know, chronic uh, basically is defined as three months minimum as the requirement for something to be a chronic illness or chronic condition. Mm. Um, They use the term chronic disease more often, I find. So it's just something that has, you know, happened for a minimum three months. And for a lot of the people that I know, it's, Years that they've had chronic conditions. Um, it could be their entire lifetime yeah. where things just ebb and flow and new symptoms emerge and maybe they have bouts of remission and then they have another flare up. So it's just a real, I call it a roller coaster because um, yeah. you just don't know when the next peak and, you know, when the next turn's going to be.
1: Yeah, which I, I think just that ebbing and flowing, the remission, like the hope
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that would come with, oh, I'm feeling good. I've been feeling good. And then when it comes back, like that could be a very difficult experience.
0: It can be, and it can also be traumatic. And it's so interesting that the research is now coming out regarding the phrase of chronic illness-induced post traumatic stress disorder mm. but that research is still on the newer end and it's emerging so it's not necessarily a term right now that's widely embraced but there is you know research that is there but it's still so new and it's interesting to me that i mean i'm glad it's coming out but to me i'm like well yeah duh like i <laughs> <laughs> Do that like 10 years ago, because uh, I definitely can relate firsthand how traumatic, um, you know, and, and even still kind of working through some of that stuff that's lingered. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to still unwind. So it's, it's great that there's more recognition, but to me, I'm like, okay, well, I no could have kid- told you that. <laughs> right, right. No kidding,
1: right? Well, yeah. I mean, and you think about trauma right so when things aren't resolved or we have to just sort of store these feelings away without processing without being able to let them go or whatever you know be mm-hmm. with them like i would imagine with with chronic illness that there's so much that you just have to sort of push through like mm-hmm. uh, if if there's constantly this issue whatever it might be with your chronic illness i'm i was thinking of like i don't know like irritable bowel syndrome right like mm-hmm. if Very you tough. constantly have to worry about where's the bathroom can i you know take this trip or can i make my commute to work or can i whatever like uh, that's dramatic right
0: it is traumatic, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's one thing we didn't—I uh, didn't list earlier—would be some examples, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, Irritable bowel syndrome is is one chronic, you know, illness. There's such a wide range. I mean, there's the ones that everyone has heard of, which would include cancer. You know, that is now categorized as a chronic illness because some people live, you know, 20, 30 years with cancer, right? Um, right. And, and live a life of kind of going through those treatments others would be Alzheimer's, arthritis, asthma. Those are more quote unquote, like mainstream diseases that can be chronic. And then you have other categories of illness that are more nuanced or invisible illnesses. So for me, the way I define an invisible illness is where someone looks at you and visually they can't see or tell that you have something medically, chronically going on with you. You're not limping. You're not using a cane. There's no um, outward obvious. Yeah. That's giving some inclination that something's going on right in that way where you have maybe a psoriasis rash or something. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are, I think that's the, The category of illnesses that I can identify with more, because that's where I fall into. Oh well, you look so good. You know, gosh, you're so young. You can't be sick. You, you know, you hear all sorts of things. I bet. Um,
1: bet.
0: Yeah, and so IBS, I would say, would would fall under that category of these invisible um, conditions. Mm -hmm. Lyme disease, uh, absolutely. Uh, Fibromyalgia, lupus. Um, Anyone with a thyroid condition, whether it's Hashimoto's. Um, you know, Graves' disease, Crohn's, yeah. multiple sclerosis. That one is more. Maybe the onset is not as noticeable, but obviously, some of these are progressive. So yes, um, yes. So yeah, there's just a real wide range as far as the types of conditions that kind of fall under this chronic uh, category.
1: Yeah. yeah, and so remission and uh, reemergence of the, the disease could be traumatizing, but what, what else comes up around the sort of tr- traumatic experience that maybe the listeners might want to hear about or know about, or at least be validating for them if this is something they're experiencing?
0: Well, I think what helps is I'm going to quote from that article you referenced earlier um, from a psychologist and a professor. Her name's Renee L. Elgabalwi, and I'm so sorry, I'm probably saying that wrong if she's listening. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the question was, what is illness-induced PTSD? Um, And so they're saying, you know, it's illness-induced PTSD is defined by clinically significant Post traumatic stress symptoms, and that results from an acute, which an acute means short term, like, um, or chronic illness. So that's you know, it's something clinically significant that really impacts a person's daily quality of life, day daily living. And what I think makes it unique and different from PTSD, the general comprehension of that condition is that PTSD is from th- is, is from something that's like an external force such as a soldier going to war and being exposed to traumatic events on the battlefield mm-hmm. or someone who has been sexually assaulted and you know it's an external force or event that impacts them in an environment mm-hmm. right yep. now chronic illness induced is where the trauma resides or stems from within your own body Mm. because your body and the way I've described it before, without going to the PTSD categorization, but just the trauma is, you know, most people, healthy people go throughout their day doing what they do, going to work, school, you know, taking care of the kids. And they have a general feeling of fee- of being okay physically that they can physically get through the day i'm okay to drive to work in the hour commute like that'll be fine i'm going to have enough energy to get through the day i'm not worried that my back's going to go out on me or that i'm going to have a flare up of ibs where i can't leave the office bathroom for half an hour right. like so having something where you're having a chronic illness flare up Makes you not feel safe within your own body because you can't rely on it. Right. It's not a source of dependability
1: mm. you know yeah, 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 and so that sense of like yeah, your body is the enemy, your body is what's causing this this distress
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, it's really I would imagine incredibly frightening
0: incredibly frightening i I've had some episodes of this myself and I'd say about a year ago I had had, I had a major surgery, abdominal surgery about three years ago. Mm. And that was a whole experience um, for the most part positive, but there were some post-surgery things that happened. Like I started, I started having a lot of abdominal pain and it turns out I had like adhesions or restrictions. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I would get these Out of the blue, really terrible stomach pains that really would knock the wind out of me. And I might have been running errands at the grocery store, and there I am, feeling like if I don't lie down soon, I'm gonna like faint, you know? Mm, Wow. So, so yeah, having those moments, and then like I wouldn't, I used to go on long walks and i stopped going on walks on my own because i was scared i'd have a flare up and it would only be maybe a 15 20 minute walk it wasn't even far yeah. but then sometimes i'd be stuck out there and i'm like oh goodness i've got 10 15 minutes to get back and i need to find anywhere i can sit along the way so i can make it and that is that is scary
1: yeah well it's you know. funny like to me i was thinking because i have not i don't struggle with chronic illness or chronic pain but i was Sort of imagining like, what if, like, so for me, like the idea of having a stomach virus where you just don't, suddenly your body, again, is your enemy, you're throwing up you're, or you're, you know, you can't leave the bathroom, but what if that came and went forever or for
0: a period of years or even months where like, that's horrifying, it is horrifying, absolutely, and it forces you to become more reclusive. Right, you know? you're not going to want to go have lunch every Thursday with the girls um, like you used to, because you might have an accident if you've got IBS or something, or yeah, you know, or so a you flare might, up that you, yeah, yeah, exactly. You might have some kind of flare up, or or you become known as the one who flakes all the time. So maybe you don't even want to make plans with people because they're like, Oh, she's just going to flake, you know, so let's just not, and they might get it. Your friends might get it or they might not get it, but it tends to, when you have a chronic condition, it kind of usually puts you in that place where you become more introverted. You do more things alone. And that's also, you know, that's also kind of lines up with PTSD. You just want to try and control your environment as much as possible because you're so stressed and anxious that you're going to be re-triggered by something, and in this case, my something physical like pain or a flare-up. Yeah, yeah. You know. And, so, yeah. and I, well, and I wonder too if
1: the lack of understanding or empathy, or just really the lack of understanding for those in your life who don't have chronic illness, but may then project that onto you, like you just need to get out there and do whatever that that might add to your sense of distress with this whole, you know? Work. Oh
0: yeah, absolutely. Because, and when people do that, they're just doing that. They don't mean to, they're just no, trying
1: to... Right.
0: Right. It's out of kindness, I think. It's out of kindness, but they also just don't know what to do with that. You know, um, yeah. another example I give people is I remember when I was like 18, I ha- ended up having to have my appendix, you know, removed. It was kind of an emergency Mm. And everyone at work was like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? You know, after I got back after a week or two, I, I can't recall, mm-hmm. uh, but that was, that was an acute event. It was instant. Like you got to go to the hospital operation recovery. So there was a beginning, a middle and an end. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't chronic. It was like a two week time frame. Mm-hmm. So people know how to navigate that mentally. They're like, okay, they're not well, I'm going to send flowers, a card, maybe go visit them send them some soup, whatever, and then they'll right. be better. And then we can go on with life, but chronic, they don't know what to do with that. And so, you know, maybe you only see a relative every few years for like a family reunion. And then they're like, so how how are you? How, how's your health? Like they don't know, you know, mm-hmm. they don't know how to engage with that. They're like, Oh wow. They're still, they're still dealing with this, you know? And right. then, and then they kind of go into that dialogue of like, well, have you tried this new medicine or right, you know, right. all of that, which, is annoying, but you just try to like go, oh, okay, well. <laughs> yeah, they don't know any better. Yes. Yeah. It's you know, and so that's where um, just trying to initiate a conversation. You know, what is it that you want if you have a chronic condition? What is it that you would appreciate, you know, from relatives or friends when you do meet up with them? Maybe you just say, Hey, you know, this is gonna be part of my life for a long while. We don't have to talk about it all the time when we see each other. Let's just talk about other stuff because there's more there's more to life and more going on with me than this, you know? And yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of putting it out there and giving them permission. Cause maybe they feel like they need to bring it up and ask. Cause if they don't, they're being insensitive. I mean, you don't know. Yeah. So. Well, and so, I mean, to me, that
1: feels like probably part of the work that you might help clients do is sort of give them permission to say what they need, but what other, what else might help someone who is struggling with chronic illness and maybe has post-traumatic stress disorder as well?
0: I think the um, the idea of helping them to get as many, without sound, sounding like corporate, but like policies and routines mm-hmm. um, established so that they have something tangible that they can refer to when they need. So for example, if someone has cancer and they're going through chemotherapy and they have you know, they have their weeks where they have chemo or their week of chemo treatment. And then they know just from past experience that it takes them a good two weeks, three weeks to recover. So they have good weeks and then they have not good weeks based on their schedule with with treatment. Mm -hmm. So then I might say to them, okay, well, what is it that's within your comfort zone and makes you feel good and is fun or comforting during those good weeks? You know, maybe coffee with friends, you know, uh, going and doing things, maybe a book club, going to, you know, whatever those things are. Mm-hmm. And then now let's see what is it that's within your wheelhouse on those weeks when you're not going to have as much energy and maybe you're going to have some brain fog because you're recuperating from the chemotherapy. You know, mm-hmm. what in those moments when you're in that, that place mentally, physically, you know, what's within a reasonable, you know, range of things you can do as a routine during those weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And that helps to like, I think what's helpful with that particular approach is it helps give them and reinforce the idea of, okay, maybe with my chronic illness, there are a lot of aspects within my body and in my life that I feel I do not have control over. Mm. And so something like this, setting up some type of a routine helps to challenge that narrative and say, okay, all right. I acknowledge that there are things going on in my life that I may not have total control over. I'm honoring that, but you know what? I'm also going to bring attention to these things that I can do. I will always have an element of choice in who I decide to spend time with, um, where I decide to go, where I feel good and calm and comforted. Mm. Um, Th- those are things that I can hold on to because I do get to have a say, and that is an element of control yeah. um, and safety, right? So, yeah,
1: well, and I think too, just listening to you know, you describing this, that it would normalize that there are going to be days that it's harder
0: mm-hmm. and days
1: that it's less hard, and you need different things at those times, right? Like that, you you know, and and you can ask for different things during those times.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important. Just to like, you have, you know, you have a toolbox, you know, and and just what Mm -hmm. is it that you can apply in that moment that resonates with you in that moment. But the reality is when you're in a lot of pain, when you're hurting, when you're maybe being triggered by a flare up, It can be hard to think those things mentally, which is why I like it to be written down because you might be already in that elevated stress kind of a mental state. Right. And so having it maybe on a whiteboard or some kind of a wall calendar, just something as a resource. Maybe you even save something like that on your phone, um, you know, take a picture of it or something. So Mm -hmm. it's always with you. And just having that going in, th- in and out of your day, you know, coming and going, you have something tangible that you have access to whenever you need it. I yeah. think that helps to really bring down that distress and that potential, because you're putting in, it's kind of like putting in protective factors of right. helping to stave off yeah, um, being triggered again. You yeah. Know?
1: Yeah. And this is something we haven't even touched on yet, but I know uh, part of our pre podcast conversation was this idea that, so women, I mean, I think it's getting better, but women in particular, but also more so women of color tend Mm. not to be heard, believed. This can be part of the experiences that there are symptoms, there are things going on. In fact, I interviewed a woman a few months ago, uh, Sophia Ariana, who had uh, horrible uh, endometriosis, and like would go back to the doctor again and again and again, and they'd be like, "You just need to f- manage your periods better." Mm-hmm. So minimizing the symptomology might impact whether women get post-traumatic stress disorder related mm-hmm. from you know from chronic illness.
0: I would totally agree with that. I mean, yes, statistically, uh, women of color get the least quality of care when it comes to the medical system Mm -hmm. um, versus white women. And then if you were to compare uh, men and women with, you know, it's interesting because I did some research on this and men tend to avoid going to the doctor until things are more like, it's just hard to ignore and then they'll go. Mm -hmm. Um, Women are more likely to go see the doctor. However, when they go, they're often, their symptoms are like you say, kind of minimized and, oh, are you sure it's not emotional or, uh, you know, it, it's, it sounds like it's psychosomatic. If you're still having trouble, if you're still having this, come back and see me in a month or two months or three months. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I read some stories and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the times the the women patients, and it doesn't matter if the doctor is male or female, it's just the general experience of the female patients going in trying to get uh, medical attention for something that they feel is, you know, needing more intervention and treatment. And yeah, yeah. they, the, the stats are they, their treatment, getting proper treatment takes longer for them because there there's more doubt um, about the severity of their symptoms And they also tend to be prescribed pain medication um, at a later date than compared to men. Mm. So that's Mm. frustrating. (laughs) That is
1: very frustrating. But I wonder too, like if as also that like the more invisible forms of, of chronic disease, like I'm thinking fibromyalgia, but also chronic fatigue, mm-hmm. um, maybe even like sickle cell like you're not seeing that there's something wrong, and yet the person maybe continues to come back to your your office or whatever and you know i I would imagine that unless that doctor was willing to really be open minded and really listen, if they're minimizing you or you know telling you it's all in your head that's got to be incredibly frustrating.
0: Yeah, it's frustrating and it's discouraging. And then um uh, from the literature I've read, women tend to also be more kind of like questioning of themselves like, well, am I am I really hurting this bad? Is the pain really that bad or are the flare-ups really like happening
1: mm. or am I just
0: being dramatic? So there's also this element of self-doubt which, you know, I think doesn't help the situation oh. either because they're getting that message from the medical community already like, Oh, it's not, you know, it's okay. I mean, I got that myself. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and, right. so, and so it can be, so that's where I would say sometimes this maybe isn't, maybe it's not chronic illness induced PTSD. I mean, it might be, but it could also just be medical trauma because right, it, the experience you're having, trying to get medical care and then being doubted, I mean, I, I would dread or I would have like high anxiety going to specific doctor appointments because I was like, okay, if I don't bring my A-game, if I don't lay it on and if I don't really push and advocate, right, you know, going to happen.
1: Yeah. Um, and that definitely takes a certain frame of mind. And if you're struggling, like that's hard to access sometimes.
0: It is hard. And that's, you know, and, and you can feel so alone like you're fighting this battle alone, if your family and friends don't fully understand, or they're not as empathic as maybe you would like. Mm. And so maybe you don't have that support at home. And then you go see the doctors and, you know, some doctors are great and medical staff are great. It's not to say that it's all this one experience, but you know, if you're not getting support at home and then you go to the doctor, you're reaching out for help and then you're getting shut down. You know, that's, that definitely can reinforce that that yeah. traumatic experience of just being doubted and mm-hmm. and isolated and not supported and whatever kind of trauma you have or whether it's traditional ptsd or this this version with the chronic illness you need to have some kind of social support that's just no question um yes yes that's of a, a given uh, in order to help you have the best potential outcome to get better or better adjust to your new, your new normal of, of how life will be, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the new diagnosis or symptoms.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so
0: are there
1: tips or resources that you feel like would be important for someone who maybe feels like maybe they have post-traumatic stress that's been induced by chronic illness. And I know you're saying this is very new out there, so there may not be, but are there resources that would be helpful?
0: You know, I think the best thing that can help them is to, um, I think, read about spoon theory. That I think is very helpful and normalizing because reading spoon theory helps to kind of foster a feeling of community. So maybe you have fibromyalgia and someone else has MS and someone else has another condition, but you all can fall under this community of spoonies, which is why I reference spoon theory. And I think that is helpful just to kind of reinforce that you're not alone. There are other people with other, chronic illnesses that, that get it, and those communities can be found online or, or in person. Um, and I also think getting familiar with the seven psychological stages of chronic illness and chronic pain is really helpful also. It's um, an expanded version of basically the, the five stages of grief. And I think the more you kind of understand those concepts, the better off you'll be and it'll lend itself for you to be more patient and compassionate towards yourself. Mm. Um, and that it's okay. And then of course, you know, seeing a therapist, I think, uh, you know, maybe, you know, if you can find a therapist who, who specializes in chronic pain and illness, that's ideal. And if not, that's okay. Um, if you can connect with a trauma therapist, I think that would be really a great way to go. And if you can get one with both, which I know is possible, <laughs> I think, I think that would be like the perfect, the perfect fit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know anything about spoon theory. So what is that? What, what is spoon okay, theory? Sure. <laughs> um,
0: So I'll give you the really condensed version. I did not come up with it. But um, spoon theory was this one woman's way of trying to explain to a friend what it's like to live with chronic illness. Mm. Um, And it's like you only have so many spoons in the day. So I think she grew up like seven spoons and, and each spoon represents a unit of energy when you have chronic illness, you're probably not sleeping well because of your symptoms and your pain and then you wake up tired and so you're just tired throughout the day. So you're just trying to manage your energy and be really intentional about what it is you do throughout the day. So maybe you wake up in the morning and you use a spoon because you take a shower and then you make yourself breakfast. Well, there goes another spoon. Okay, well that leaves you with five spoons left. How are you going to, you know, use those spoons thoughtfully so that way you have enough left to you know make dinner that night mm. um, or take your child to soccer practice or whatever it is so that's kind of spoon theory in a nutshell you only have so many spoons in a day and there's just there are not there are not enough spoons so how wh- what are you going to select and what are you going to skip mm-hmm. so kind of function and get through the day to take care of your physical and, and medical needs while also just doing regular life and being a parent or, you know, a working adult or whatever it is. So that's kind of spoon theory. So if you've, you know, if you have a chronic illness, you're, you're going to be, you know, you're part of this community of spoonies. That's, that's mm-hmm. how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's kind of what that is. And, oh, and as yeah. other, uh, one more thing I think would be great too is, um, Just being, you know, set the stage for yourself. Like this is something you can work with your therapist about. Like what does a typical day look like for you with your symptoms, with your flare-ups? Do you tend to have to go to the emergency room a lot? You know, all of those things. Because then that can be like a really good uh, starting off point to get a baseline as far as what it is that you can set up for a routine or to plan ahead. Mm. So if you tend to have to go to the ER a lot and every time you Psychologically, you're like, oh my gosh, my symptoms Are not looking good or I took my blood pressure and it's not looking good and I don't want to go and there's this real panic You know, that's not helpful for you But maybe the dread is compounded because every time you go to the ER You're like the anomaly and everyone wants to kind of like pick and prod at you and go. Oh my gosh Your numbers are so weird. This is so cool. I've only read about this in a medical journal Mm. Um, you know all sorts of things like that, or the fear that because your condition is so rare, um, they may give you something that could be really potentially fatal or just you know severe in in worsening your symptoms. Right. So getting a picture of what your day to day or what the frequency is of you having to see these doctors and, and things, setting up some kind of handout or something for you to use, or like if you have to go to the ER. I've I've told people before, get a a letter from your doctor who gave you this diagnosis and put all, you know, have them do it on their letterhead. So that way the medical staff like will believe you because that's the other thing. It's like, no, it can't be. I don't think so. I don't believe that this, you know. Right, right. Like, like you've
1: just made the diagnosis up yourself.
0: Yeah. Or you're just attention seeking or maybe you're med seeking. That's the other one. Yep. Um, Yep. Yep. So yeah, just trying to kind of come up with as many things that c- people can, medical staff in that case can like look at and reference, and if they need to call the doctor, they can. And you know, what are your current meds that you're taking and your dosages? Because maybe you know, just stuff like that to just try to protect yourself and give them like the the, the Cliff's Notes version, so they don't screw you up more, <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, yeah, so things like that. Just I think thinking about it like that um, yeah. and coming up with things that are concrete, you know, can really be helpful. Yeah,
1: I would imagine, especially if you were, yeah, not one that's that's comfortable with really advocating and pushing for yourself to have this sort of concrete, like this is this is me.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well. Uh, Daniela, I really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us today. Do you have anything upcoming in your practice or your world that you would like to share with the listeners?
0: You know, I just continue to present, but I don't have anything in the books at the moment, but feel free to sign up for my newsletter and I can definitely, you know, share with you and let you know when that will be.
1: Awesome. And,
0: you know, I definitely invite the listeners, if this is an, a topic that they can relate to, to please go to my website because I've written a lot of different articles on these kind of topics, on ways to kind of cope and manage, and also resources for caregivers too. So there and you know, hopefully it's, it's helpful for, for your listeners.
1: Absolutely. Well, and I will include all those links in the show notes and so they can find them there uh, at womanwarriors.com.
0: Okay. Sounds perfect.
1: All right. Well, I hope that you have a great week, but thank you so much for being a part of this with me today. Thank you so much for
0: having me. I appreciate it.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Daniela. I I have said this before, but I will say it again. It's disturbing to me that women, particularly women of color, are being dismissed or minimized when they seek medical help. This is something that really needs to change and Bringing some awareness to it will help break that stigma that we are complainers or histrionic or whatever it is physicians think is happening when women come to their offices. So hopefully this conversation will shed a little light, a little awareness for you. I hope you all have a wonderful week. I hope that your week is filled with calm, relaxation, validation, love, and kindness. Ciao for now from this woman warrior.
0: Thanks for listening and subscribing to the woman warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today and links to the guests profiles at womanwarriors.com.